Welcome to Fiery Discourse, your podcast and media featuring dragonesses, female dinosaurs, and other similar stories and skillies. I'm your host, Ladilanon, and with me are my co-hosts, Anne Gron, Mad Machine, Striker, Lucky Evie, and Jordan. And our special guest this week is uh, Shark. Today is our 55th episode, and we're going to be discussing uh, the 2018 Benicula episode, Queen Wicked, the Wicked Queen. So, let's get things started. Mm. Nice. Now... Yep, so now uh, Benicula started off as a children's book series that was apparently very popular, having several adaptations of it from all different studios. I have actually never heard of it before this show, believe it or not. Mm. I don't know yes, what uh, you guys uh, passed is I, with it. I think I remember my sister owning the book, but I never read it. I saw a few of the books back in the day. Uh, then the series came out, and I was like, oh, that looks interesting. I'll check it out. And I did. Then I ultimately... Uh, Forgot that I ultimately didn't notice that they made uh, new episodes, this one included. So, I don't know when I'm going to get back into it, but hopefully sooner rather than later. All good, all good. I read one of Benicula's books, and then I heard about the series, I'm like, oh, great, this is going to be bad or worse. Yeah, the books are uh, pretty good. They Surprisingly, they don't actually focus on Benicula himself that much. It's only the later ones that did. The first ones are actually mysteries involving the cat and dog characters. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. So he was like a minor character in his own franchise, basically. Until the last couple of books, when his popularity just exploded. (laughs) Yeah, I see. It's kind of like the Urkel effect then, where like a character that, you know, becomes so popular, he overtakes like the the franchise, in other words. Yeah. Yeah. It also also feels... Sorry, continue. stuff. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. yeah, uh, This uh, most recent adaptation uh, began in 2018, and it was worked on famously by uh, Maxwell Adams, who is probably best known for creating The Current Adventures of Billy and Mandy, which is an absolute fantastic, hilarious TV show that definitely, definitely holds up. Oh, yeah. And it's also, uh, it also holds easily one of, if not my favorite versions of The Grim Reaper. Like, seriously. Name another. Like, seriously, name another franchise with a freaking Jamaican Grim Reaper. I will wait. Yeah, no, we, that's yeah, great. Please plug the eggs, salad, raggle, fraggle. Yeah. <laughs> like an angry uh, woman. Hey, somebody help me! <laughs> yeah. Classic, classic. Uh, but, yeah. Going back to Lancaster, Elsa has my favorite version of Dracula. Did I forget to mention that? Yeah, definitely, definitely oh, classic, God. classic. So, so oh, good, man. yeah. But yeah, uh, this cartoon uh, took liberties with the source material, and it's more of a uh, comedic cartoon than apparently in the books, which was it for the better, in my opinion, because it's a little bit more episodic in that, and again, it works out for the best, especially for the type of cartoon it's trying to be, which is an 11-minute, uh, basically 11-minute episodes that each tell their own uh, little individual uh, wrapped-up story, and uh it starts off right away pretty good with the theme song that has a really nice and eerie vibe to it that fits with the rest of the show. They use a lot of the theremin in that. Yeah, it's not we're... exactly as uh, blatant. At, it's not exactly as like uh, subdued as something like, say, Bleach would. Yeah, seriously, look up Stars by W.O.D. and you can honestly understand where I'm going with that. But yeah, seems pretty good. Yep. 
And uh, it's here with, uh, after that, uh, we get to the episode, and it begins with uh, Chester the Cat wanting to read a long book about jazz, and Panicula angrily throws it away. And oh, sure, we're going to talk about the uh, voice cast a little bit, because uh, Chester the Cat is voiced by none other than Sean Astin, Sam, yep. <laughs> Sam from Lord of the Rings himself. I and can't also carry that. you, Mr. Bonicula, but I can carry you. <laughs> oh yeah, it's also also he's that one dad. I I sw- Sean asked. Yeah, sorry. Continue. Is that going ahead? Is that one dad? What? The weird stuff then. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's also yeah. He's also that one uh, dad from Stranger Things. Sean Ashton, if you're listening, I'm sorry if I forget the character's name. But it was also famously Mikey from uh, freaking uh, Goonies. Freaking Goonies, yeah. Oh, right, right. I always forget about that movie when when uh, I talk about his uh, roles. But yeah, also like uh, looking at looking at then and now, it's honestly kind of jarring how uh, yeah. how much yeah. Oh, yeah, change, yeah. But also, uh, it's interesting that Bonicula is voiced by a comedian Chris Kattan, which is very surprising because Bonicula doesn't really talk so much as he makes, like, uh, I guess the the best comparison to be would be uh, Gizmo from Gremlins. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he kind of reminded me of that with the, the way he makes uh, noise. He reminded me a little bit of, like, the Gremlins in a way. Uh, On the see. subject of uh, Bonicula himself, though, and this actually does stem from the uh, original illustrations for the books. He's got to yeah. be one of the best designed characters. If you did not know anything about the books, you looked at him, you would instant. it just, he didn't do anything. You just took a look at him. You'd be like, oh, okay, vampire rabbit. I get it. Exactly. And the cartoon yeah. really adapts it well, I think. Yeah, also, a uh, little thing uh, noted about uh, what you said about Jazz. It reminded me of freaking, uh, it reminded me of the B movie where he's like, you like Jazz? Oh, God. <laughs> and I reminded of SpongeBob. You must now require a taste for freeform Jazz. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But uh, it turns out that uh, Bonicula angrily throws away the book. Harold the dog, meanwhile, runs to a bookshelf and he picks up a mysterious uh, glowing book. And the yeah, animation right. here is clearly done with Flash, but it's actually pretty good. It's not as good as like a uh, Friendship is Magic is in terms of like or, being a really good-looking Flash animated cartoon, but it is pretty good. Yeah, or Bluey for that matter. Yeah, Man. that too, that too. I've but said it this many out- times. Flash can make good stuff. It's just that people are usually lazy and use Flash as a shortcut rather than actually using it to its full potential. Exactly. Exactly. In a Flash-like program. So. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. But it turns out. Same the early two thousands people. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Motion tweening. But yeah, the book turns out to be a collection of uh, a brother's grim fairy tales, which uh. Fun fact, during their own time period, they were not known for fairy tales. They were more famous for another one of their books, The Dictionary. Because what happened is they basically compiled already told fairy tales that had existed for probably in in, uh, oral form for like hundreds of years. They were like the first to actually compile it into writing and put it in a book. But they were not famous for that in their own time. You know, if you probably went back to, you know, 18th century, you know, 1800s Germany and asked them about the Brothers Grimm, people would probably say, oh, yeah, the, the dictionary publishers, right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, they're totally known for that. Totally not love the freaking dictionary over here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Chester begins uh, reading the book before they get uh, sucked into it. 
And after they fall into a glowing portal, they awaken to find themselves inside the book. And it's here that uh, we get a really, really fun part of the episode. There was such an awesome art shift to a classical style illustration. And the animals all go from like their cartoony and stylized uh, version to a more realistic uh, look. And it's always fun to see. I've, I've always loved when cartoons did stuff like this, like on, uh, again, on SpongeBob, when they go out of the water and they become like a live action sponge and a live action starfish on like a stick. Something like that wow. is just so fun. The little like a uh, character art shifts like that. Yeah. It's always I fun to see. The, the extra mile because they could just simply keep them the same, just change their color so they look like book pages. But no, they already made different designs for them. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I, I believe that the designs were either inspired by or an homage to the original book illustrations of the characters and the Ruby Spears special that uh, was the first thing for Banicula. That is a really neat touch. If that, if that was intentional, that is a really, really nice little touch there. To, uh, it is. Funny so how they started as book characters and this episode has them entering a book, basically. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, it is. Very it much is better. Think about that. Mm. So, yeah, basically the group uh, stumble across different fairy tale characters and they realize they're in the actual book. There's a really funny gag when Chester realizes that they are cursed with something supernatural, but he's too happy being inside of a book to care. Yeah. Unfortunately, even though they are inside of a book, we do not get to see them interact with Gumby. Boo. Uh, that would have been a very interesting episode if it was. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, uh, it's here where we get to see... Yep, that too. But yeah, uh, what happens, uh, the Wicked Queen basically passes by them and prepares to give uh, the poison apple to Snow White. Before she can knock on the door, the apple is replaced with Bonicula's head as his headless body runs off with it. Which is a sentence I was not expecting to say today, but... (laughs) Bonicula's powers are effectively whatever we feel like in the moment. He's basically early Superman. I see, I see. He's got like like Toon Force kind of thing. Indeed. So basically, yeah, uh, whatever typical powers you associate with a vampire, throw that out the window. He can do basically whatever the fuck he wants. Yep. So uh, basically, Snow White answers the door. She sees the witch holding Panicula's severed head, and she just quickly closes the door, which is, again, a really, really funny gag. And it's here uh, she transforms in the, from the uh, old hag design to the queen, and she berates Panicula for ruining our plan. It turns out here that her name turns out to be actually uh, Queen Wicked. And just a little side note: the famous uh, Walt Disney version did have a name. She was called a cream. She was called a Queen Grimhilda, according to like a scripts and promotional material from the time. So, the and then of course, uh, and then of course, Castle of Illusion. She was called Miserable. Yeah, that that's a different. Wonder where they got that name from. But anyway, uh, no I do like what this. They gave Queen Wicked a unique design in her queen form, too. It's clearly taking some inspiration from the you know famous Walt Disney version, but it also has its own little touches that is really a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. With the color red and that stuff. Exactly, exactly. But, yeah. yeah make you, bites and, if you I'm look sorry, at a silhouette of her, you'd absolutely see, oh, okay, that's, that's uh, Grimhelda. But if you uh, uh, looked at her colors, she pops a lot more than uh disney's version actually yeah. she does yeah it could be again like uh the advance in technology like with uh with coloring in that it very well could be 
So anyway, uh, Panicula eats the poison apple, and absolutely nothing happens because, again, he's a vampire. And <laughs> uh, we can see the kill the dead. Yeah, exactly. How do you kill that which has no life? Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but yeah, the stories <laughs> begin to literally start falling apart as the three of them are transported outside of the book. I like how Chester then decides just to put the book back on the shelf and says, uh, we will never talk about this ever again. Yeah. You know, so I was like, you know, not a side out of mind. But it turns out that uh, Queen Wicked also followed them and is curious about where she is. And one thing that's really cool is how they changed her design when she's in the quote-unquote real world compared to the world of the book. She has more of a stylized, cartoonish design, like how Banicula and uh, the others do. And mm. again, that is really, really a neat touch that they, they didn't have to do. They could have just had her book form in the yeah, real world, but the fact that they actually took the time to change it. Yeah, two designs for one character from one episode only. Exactly, mm. exactly. And uh, she's a. Uh, and basically, she's enraged. She's uh, out of it. And she's starting to use her powers on them before she's distracted by Amina, Banicula's owner, which, again, clever reference because Mina was the uh, f- central female character in Dracula the book. So nice little touch there. That is nice. Yep. So Queen Wicked is jealous of uh, Mina's beauty and threatens to give her a poison apple. Banicula swoops in to stop her, but she turns him into a frog. Chester and Harold are then turned into a mouse and a pumpkin, respectively. Mina is basically uh, watching TV, then she eats the apple and falls asleep. And then Queen Wicked remarks how she can't help it, and it's how she was written, which, number one, reminds me of Roger Rabbit. And number two, is a very interesting concept in itself, how she can't really control her own actions. You know, like she was written to be evil, so evil is how she must be. Indeed. So then, uh, yeah. An interesting development for, again, an, a character for one single episode. Exactly, yep. exactly right. So yeah, uh, basically she heads to a balcony and she sees all the modern world and then she declares she has another place to conquer. Uh, Harold as if they won because he can't turn around because again, he's a giant pumpkin. Is a pretty <laughs> <funny gag. laughs> yeah, that's one of the funny gag in the episode. Yeah. They have a lot of ones like, like the, the part where she bumps into the driver who demands she gets out of the road. She retaliates by turning his car into a giant rat. And then it's here <laughs> where we get, I think, the funniest joke of the episode. She walks past two, like, stereotypical nerds cosplaying as a knight and a wizard and uses her powers to electrocute the knight. Then the nerd dressed as the wizard basically stares at it for a comedic beat, and then he says, My powers are real! It is so, so funny. Uh, maybe when I'm saying it, it doesn't sound funny, but it's just something about the way it's timed and the way, like, he's just so joyous. You know? Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's honestly funny. Like, if that could happen, imagine what else could happen. Exactly. Yeah, you know exactly. What I mean, again, we get oh, a lot yeah. of uh, yeah, we get a lot of uh, basically seeing just how petty she is because she approaches like uh, two social media influencers and gets them poison apples. She approaches a group of musicians and turns their instruments into snakes. And again, yeah. we, we get another funny moment with the news report, which cuts live to the scene where the reporter is cut to a mouse. And then when it cuts back right to the broadcast, the anchor woman is asleep and the anchor man is a, a pumpkin now. So, Honestly, it's pretty jarring, like, just how used that town is to magical phenomenon, like ghosts, <laughs> digital crows, yeah. vampire bunnies. It gets to the point where everyone is like, oh, this is happening again, whatever. Yeah, it's exactly, like freaking exactly Hilda like in the, It's like freaking Hilda in a sense, where, like, all the magical stuff is just commonplace, even though... 
Though in Hilda, it's a little less uh, common. But here, it's just like, oh, hey, a giant freaking dragon is torching the entire town. Well, off to ch- Starbucks. But, yep, what happens is uh, Chester then declares that they have to find a way to stop it while Harold attempts to use his tongue to turn himself around a funny gag. Yeah. It's then when he gets the idea to basically rewrite the book to where Queen Wicked isn't evil anymore. And meanwhile, uh, we cut back to Queen Wicked causing more havoc. Then she sees a bakery and she enters it. She demands to know what it is, and the clerk t- basically asks her what she wants. And it's here where we get a really neat character moment where she's basically stunned by this because no one has ever asked her what she wants to do before or wants with anything, and all she has known is to be evil. And she's never asked herself that she wants to be evil. And there's a funny gag with the clerk behind the de- behind the desk, basically still trying to sell it. He's he's like, yo, yeah, so you still want bait? You still want bayonets? <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah. And again, he's voiced by uh, Jeff Bennett, who's probably best known for being Johnny Bravo, and again, oh. legendary voice actor right there. Oh, hell yeah! I like how the important question that makes her reflect on her life is not something like, "Are you happy or?" Are you doing what you want? Is some guy going, what flavor of ice cream do you want? Exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's also one of these yeah, really funny things that th- this is an 11-minute yuck-yuck cartoon that is happy to tackle the philosophy and existentialism of personal choice and autonomy. Yeah. Exactly. That is a very exactly. good point. Yeah, like, this is deep. Oh, yes. hell yeah. It gets yeah. really deep. And it's all from her... And it's all from one guy at, hey there, want a beignet? He's like, existential cost. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that is exactly. Like, next time, just imagine someone going to the pizza shop and just like, like, hey there, would you like a pizza? And it's like, oh my God, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, weirder stuff has happened in lesser places, just to, just to let you know. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. But yet, now yeah. it's, it's uh, the moment where we're covering this on the podcast, because she declares that she'll take all of them, and then she uh, transforms into a dragoness. Now, sadly, the transformation is done based on like a uh, puff of pink magic, but the design is a really, really good one. I... I always like when uh, the scales take inspiration from the dress, and it's here that uh, they do that. And the golden yeah. horns are like her jewelry, which is a really nice touch. The enormous yeah. pair of uh, crimson... She can still talk in her dragon form. That too, that too. Uh, the enormous oh, yeah. pair of crimson wings are fun, and of course, uh, canonically thick, haha. Uh-huh. It's also yeah. funny because, like, it, it also reminds you of that one uh, thing where it's like, all of them, and it's like, all of them? All of them! <laughs> Like, don't make a game of that. Yeah, yeah, all of them. They should do that with like uh, the movie from uh, Leon the Professional. The scene from Leon the Professional. Send in everyone, everyone, everyone. Everyone. Gary Oldman. I know, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, So, Lud, you are underselling it. She is not just oh, traditionally dragon thick. She is dummy thick. Yes, yes, she is. I can see that. Like they had fun designing her, and you can definitely tell that. All that beignets had to go somewhere. But what (laughs) happened? We can tell she likes to eat. Yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, she's definitely a glutton. 
Not just yeah. for punishment either. <laughs> 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 but yeah, like like you said earlier, it's really nice that she gets to talk and that she still keeps her voice. It's slightly pitched lower. And again, I always like that when they actually take the time to put that in. It really, really is a nice little touch. Little details like that you appreciate. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So she storms out of the bakery, still in her dragonist form, carrying an armful of the pastries before basically devouring them. And the fact that she really enjoys being in her dragonist form is... Very interesting, and something that they, again, it's an eleven-minute short, so they couldn't cover it on any everything. But it would have been nice if we got just a tiny bit more of it. But again, I mean, this is an eleven-minute short, and she's a dragonist for about like maybe thirty seconds. That's about five percent of the cartoon, so mm. it's not bad, you know. Oh yeah, it's impressive for a cartoon of this yeah. length. Indeed. Yeah. Again, so, they they didn't have to make it. They again they make actually three designs for a character for a single episode. Yeah, yeah, exactly. She probably just taking the big nets in her human form, but nope, they had her nope, transform yeah. for some reason. They like yeah, love to go above and beyond. Yeah, uh, exactly, yeah. exactly. Adams, baby. <laughs> yeah, we then come back to the pets as Chester writes that Queen Wicked suddenly stopped walking as she does so. He then writes as she returns to the basement as she magically does so, and she returns to her uh, normal uh, queen form. Yeah, but anyway. Yeah, yeah, it would have been nice to see her still as a dragoness, but he then writes that she undoes her all of her magic, which causes her to do so. And after everything goes back to normal, Queen Wicked threatens to use her magic, but then she's basically sucked back into the book. And again, you do feel somewhat sorry for her because she all she wanted really, aside from, you know, doing evil and causing havoc. Being able to have the a ability choice. to have like, you know, have choice, have free will. It's, it's again yep. something like a an 11 minute, you know, wacky fun time cartoon thing really goes places that you would not expect it to. Oh, hell yeah. Just given a chance to make her own choices. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. Independence. Exactly. Independence. Exactly. And also kind of reminds me of uh, freaking Into the Woods, where like Rapunzel and uh, that freaking witch that cared for her. Like, the witch goes full-on, like, uh, abusive sort of, uh, well, okay, maybe not abusive, but more, like, manipulative to, like, keep Rapunzel there and pretty much eradicate her free will, more or less. Exactly. Yep. Exactly, yeah, yeah. But apparently, I guess they felt the same way because Harold basically says that uh, his logic is wrong and and that uh, Queen Wicked has no choice to be evil. And then that causes Chester basically write that Queen Wicked f- uh, finally had free will of her own. Yeah, it's and- pretty funny. Like, out of all the characters, the one who ultimately <laughs> had to, like, set uh, Chester straight was the guy who's pretty much there for comic relief. Exactly, and yet he's exactly. also adorable doing it. It's like yeah, them, exactly. except a little smarter and also can speak. But anyway. It's like where he sometimes is the one who knows people the most per se exactly yeah that's a very good point (laughs) that's a very very good point but yeah basically uh um now that queen wicked has uh free will she tells snow white no uh, not to eat the apple and walks off and she's happy that she can finally be herself which again a very very nice ending and sadly this would be the only appearance that uh queen wicked would make on the show and uh it's kind of unfortunate it could have had her show back in some uh capacity Mm. And uh, because a nice, of, a nice little reference or a callback, or even even that like, would have been nicer, even like a cameo yeah. or something. But this is the only time she shows up in the whole show. And uh, maybe they, maybe they, 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 they
bakery or something like that. Yeah, that too. That too. They could have done something like that. But it's here where we get to something I don't normally talk about, which is the uh, ending credits. Because the ending credits of this show are incredibly fast. Like, it reminds me of, like, a joke they had in The Fairly Odd Parents, where Kazo goes, these are animation credits. You're lucky if they're on for half a second. And it really does oh feel gosh, like that. Yes. It feels like it just, it's yeah. like, it's like somebody put it on fast forward or that. It's like, I actually had to, like, slow down the video and pause it just to see who did what with it. And it's a shame. But, yeah. Uh, wow, that's it's really it. Normally with uh, cartoons, they don't really care uh about uh, it's like since kids don't really care about the uh the credits you know yeah. they want to get yeah, on with the ep- they want to get on with the cartoon and they want to see what's on next yeah Maybe. i can kind of see that yeah so yeah basically what happened is a uh, banicula itself would last for about uh one more season before uh ending and uh maxwell ends shortly after Maxwell Adams stuck with uh, Warner Brothers and Cartoon Network for a surprisingly long time. I think he might have been the last of the original guys to be there, like like full time. Because I know, like you know, uh, Craig McCracken worked for other studios, and uh, mm. Danny Antonucci uh, basically uh, retired and does his own thing now. Yeah, but Adams is the one who like stuck with it and just completely stuck with it. Mm. Yeah, he apparently worked on like Scooby Doo projects. He worked on uh. The infamous Courage meets uh, Scooby-Doo crossover, so mm-hmm. hopefully we do not have him to thank for Eustace Bag rapping, because... Uh, uh, no. Yeah, no thanks. Ouch, ouch, well, ouch. Poorly. Yeah, he apparently uh, left in 2023, and mm. one thing I remember reading is uh, Danny Antonucci actually wrote on his like a goodbye post saying something like, so you finally left Sam, Register- Sam Register's uh, garbage factory or something like that. Oh God! Uh, yeah, wow. yeah. But yeah, as a whole, I really think that Panicula is a really, really fun cartoon, and it was way more fun than I expected. When I first saw it, I expected it to be like you know, oh, typical you know, kids show. It could be fun, it could be cute, but I mm. really enjoyed this way more than it had any right to be. I definitely want to check out more episodes of this uh, of this TV show. Yeah, you should. It's pretty fun. Also, yeah. uh, oh man, I I read what you said about what Dan Danny Antonucci uh, wrote on that freaking poster yeah. in Ed in Eddie's voice. Oh god. Oh wow, wow, wow. Danny but, Antonucci, if you're listening, did you you probably did you proud? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. Well, but now it is time for the uh, question of the episode, which is, what is your favorite horror cartoon? And I- I'm going to start. Now, there's a couple of them I could pick. I could pick, like, uh, well, everyone's going to probably say at least Curse of Cowardly Dog, so we'll get that out of the way right now, because that's a Stone Cold classic. Yeah. <laughs> there's the uh, there's a surprising amount of, uh, like, horror anthology cartoons. I know that uh, Tales from the Crypt, of all things, tried doing a kid's show. The problem being... This was like the 90s, so they really had to tone it down. I mean, granted, you weren't going to have, like, on the actual HBO show, like, the the vulture ripping out the guy's eye, which still gives me nightmares oh, yeah. to this day, ever since I saw oh, that one. Ugh. But Tales from the Crypt was meant was originally for adults, actually. Yeah, it was. The, the yeah. HBO show was. But it was so popular, they made a children's spinoff show that actually got John Kassir to reprise his role as Crypt Keeper, 
And well, that's cool. I felt like they toned it down way too much. Like, again, they couldn't have made it as scary as the original show like with the violence and the sex and stuff like that. But there's ways you could have done it and still have it be eerie. And it, it didn't really focus on that. Uh, so I'm going to go with my choice. It's going to be a very interesting one. Not a lot of people think of it as horror, but it definitely has a lot of horror elements. That's going to be Invader Zim. Mm. Oh, wow. My yeah. sister oh. would choose that, actually. Nice. It had a lot of uh, yeah, episodes man. that were really... Really like dark in that. I mean, oh, they always yeah. had like yeah. a one tongue that that one alone, like that really. A lot of, a lot of people would, would, a lot of people would choose Dark Harvest as one of the yeah, scariest episodes. Cool yeah, not not for me. That would be bad, bad rubber piggy because oh, he almost murders Dib. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He was meant to die actually, but Nickelodeon said nope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, yeah, that was the same with like the uh the Easter egg, you know, uh Bloody Girl, spe- yeah. yeah. Bloody Girl, yeah. He was actually yeah. gonna show up in an episode, but they said no, so in retaliation he basically decided, Well, you know what, screw you. I'm gonna put it in as much places as I can where no one will see it, but it'll always be there. So but yeah, oh, yeah. that is actually gonna be my pick for uh, my favorite uh "Quote unquote horror cartoon." I know it's not technically horror, but it's horror adjacent, at least enough to where I think I could call it that. And again, this is a Western uh, cartoons talking about, not really with the uh, anime. Anime. I just want to that Charlie said mentioned earlier, but it's all good. So, Andrew, what would your pick be for uh, your favorite uh, horror cartoon? Well, then, let me think here. Mm. On that note. I would honestly have to go with Gravity Falls. Now, granted, there's a bit more lighthearted stuff to it that kind of makes it a little difficult. But compare that to Owl House, and the difference more or less is night and day. Because seriously, Gravity Falls can be pretty dang creepy when it wants to be. Even it can on- be. Oh, yes. absolutely! Oh, yeah, like, especially the final, especially the finale. Oh, weird Mageddon! Holy yes. shit, man! Oh yeah. Bill Cipher alone makes that a horror cartoon. Also, yes. their Summerween episodes. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah, oh, Summerween cool. was kind of creepy. Mm, kind of, yeah, but yeah, oh, man. most of the episode had a really dark time. Oh yeah. It's yeah. also, uh, but yeah, it, it pretty much started a somewhat trend with the uh, freaking uh, Disney uh, cha- Disney Channel for a while. But uh, yeah, there's on, honestly nothing like it nowadays. No matter how hard they no, try, there will always be a Gravity Falls. The stop critic, I hear you out Definitely. there. Definitely. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. That's my pick. Yep, that's a really good pick. That that is an excellent, excellent one. It so, is. Um, yep. So, Striker, what are you gonna pick for? Uh, what is your favorite uh, horror cartoon? I'm gonna get. Uh, I'm gonna get this out of the way right now. I'm a massive horror buff when it mm. when when it comes to this subject. I'm a massive buff for this. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm actually gonna choose one that I'm not sure anybody would actually uh would actually think about. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. That's true. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, because most of the time, yeah, the episodes n- never have a happy ending. Exactly. That's, true. that's very true. I, you, it's something when you, you know you think about it, and then you actually really have to consider it. 
you are right. You are absolutely, absolutely right with that. That, that uh, and, uh, I remember the episode with the the fucking bunny. Oh <laughs> yes, the, oh, making. Yes, yes, yes. And, like exactly. the uh, Scar's death still haunts me. Oh, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, like um. I still remember uh, the the episode where they went to visit Father Time. Yes, uh. yes. Oh, that was funny again. One. It's something that you don't think of as being scary because, uh, at least for me, I always thought it was being funny. But then you really stop and you consider it, and you you have to like process it. And now it's like that really is some dark stuff. Oh hell this yeah! Like, it's like this was a kids show. They kill yeah. characters yeah. like nothing sometimes. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's yeah. a lot of yeah. death in this show, but then it's oh, like next episode that everything's back to normal. Exactly. Yeah. I think and I remember reading that actually reminds me a little bit of something. Uh Maxwell Adams actually said if he tried pitching Billy and Mandy today, he probably wouldn't get it through because he actually said, Bad. I remember reading this, that an executive basically said to him, to his face, and I am he is a better man than I, because he was managed to uh, restrain himself at that point. He, the executive basically said something like, uh, this is during uh, when Cartoon Network was trying to do all the live action stuff. They basically said to Maxwell Lyons, they're like, you and your hateful fart cartoon has ruined this network. I remember <laughs> that. <laughs> yes. Wow. Yes. I mean, that is a real, real jerk move. And of mm -hmm. course, I love this show so much that I actually, like, Same. years later, uh, bought, the, uh, bought the game that was based on it. Oh, nice. Yes, oh, too. Oh, yeah, game, yeah, right? yeah, yeah, the, the fighting yeah, the fight. one. Yeah. Yep. Again, they got everybody back for that game, too. You know, it wasn't like, you mm -hmm. know, oh, they can only get a few voice actors here and there. No, they got literally everyone. They got Even the original crew to work on it. And... Yeah. Damn, well, yeah, that's they impressive. Did. Yeah. It was impressive. Awesome. I, I was, I, I've. I still remember this show fondly and even quote it to this day. I even love the episode where they had Arlie Ermy as a guest oh, voice. Oh, that's a hilarious one, yo. Yeah. I'm Ernie. the signal. I know someone who wants Ms. Red the signal. Now he eats through a straw. Yeah, that's one of the best. It's the one with the fraggle. fraggle. Yeah, oh, that, yeah, it is, it is, right. Well, wow, oh, it's two man. classic jokes in one episode. That That is fantastic. Uh, oh my goodness i still love that that's like still one of my favorites but no oh, the episode man. where billy transforms into chocolate is still like oh that one top. that, was, that yeah. one too was an art hysterical one. Like, oh man it's Dan also funnier here because the guy who does the dub for the chocolate sailor is actually the official voice of mickey mouse that actually made it funnier <laughs> That they actually got a guy who voiced him because he's the voice of the chocolate sailor, so it's twice as funny. And <laughs> I was like, you know, all right, Billy, you have to pick between these four chocolates mutating marshmallow, caustic cream, horrific hazelnut, or the antidote. And then it's like Billy slowly reads the names back, and it's like. <laughs> and, then <they> just, <laughs> and then he just eats the whole thing. It's the entire thing. <laughs> oh, hell yeah. It really shows, again, like this show, the timing. The timing was so perfect because he slowly reads each description and it's like, okay, come on, what's he going to do? And then when, you know, he, he waits for like a whole beat and then when he just eats the box, it's like, perfect, perfect. Hey, this is Billy. This is This is the entire show in a nutshell.
happy ending. Billy dies yeah. and it's implied that Mandy and Grimm eat him. Maxwell Adams had such an understanding of t- of comedic timing. I would be shocked if he never had any experience in vaudeville. Oh hell yeah! Exactly. Oh my That's gosh. Amazing, um, you know? It's also funny that uh, freaking uh, Deirdrick Bader, the voice of Batman and the guy who played Rex Quando, Napoleon Dynamite, did uh, easily one of my favorite macho funny characters, uh, freaking Hostel Gatto. Yeah. This is another favorite character. Oh, man. Hostel Gatto. Classic. Hostel Gatto doesn't drive stick. Yeah. <laughs> wow, nice, nice. Funny was where Billy got baked into a pie. He kept, I like pie, pie, pie. Richard Horowitz is my spirit animal. Fight me and lose. He is. And I'm yeah, still glad true. he's getting work today. Oh, hell same, yeah. Same. Oh, a boss, especially. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. We, better get, we better move on to the next one before we oh, start yeah, all. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, let's, yeah, let's keep going. Let's keep going. So, uh, Matthew, you. what would your uh, favorite horror cartoon be? I'm going to pay homage to the classics. These are two series that are some of the earliest series I ever remember watching, and they still hold up as some of my favorites. Mm. The 1992 Hanna Barbera Adams Family cartoon. Yeah, I've, I've never seen that. And the Beetlejuice cartoon. That's oh, another right. classic. Right. I remember that. I don't know if I really saw it, so I, but I do definitely remember it. And I mean, really, that's yeah, crazy that they made a cartoon out of that movie. When you actually rewatch the movie, it's yeah. like, oh, her and him and Lydia are best friends. It's like in the thing. I mean, Beetlejuice is a, a freaky little perverted guy. Yeah. He yeah. is. The movie is definitely not for kids. Yeah, I saw yeah. it when I was a kid, oh. but. I mean, not yeah, the first time they make a cartoon of something oh, that's too. not for, for them. Oh, man. Yeah. I, saw, uh, I saw it as a kid. I was terrified of it. <laughs> uh-huh. I just find it funny as a kid, believe it or not. I, think I, just, I, I didn't know half the stuff he was doing, but... Oh, the, yeah. Yeah, that, that, oh, that was man. It's, just like, it's funny because like, he's got that wacky zany energy, but... Yeah, no, that, that was a good... I, I very vaguely remember watching the Beatles cartoon too, and that was that was really good. I never saw either of them. Adam's Family, yeah. uh, Hanna Barbera, especially. Yeah, it, it was actually really well animated. This is this is from the '90s, so it's obviously when Hanna Barbera actually started animating, animating. Okay, uh, That's like fair. they were serious it, about it, animation. I thought about girls. More based around the '91 movie than it is the classic Adams Family, which is why their designs look different. Mm. Uh, they got John Aston back as Gomez. Awesome. Yeah, that, awesome. Is, that is good. And it's, it's very episodic, like you would hope from the Adams Family. And because it's early 90s, they were able to do a lot of weird shit with the animation, and it works. Oh, yeah. And, uh, the, the Beetlejuice cartoon is just fucking insane i'm not sure how to describe it uh, otherwise <laughs> yeah it's, it, I, I don't doubt it exotic, but it's like th- basically every kind of joke that you would expect from the movie they crank up even higher in this series and i'm like how the fuck did you get away with this in a cartoon in the 90s same way powerpuff girls got away with shit back in the day 
a bunch of other cartoons in the 90s. It was like back then, the 90s, early 2000s, no one really even, you know, no one cared. Well, they cared, but they didn't care, if that makes sense. No, uh, it's a a kid's cartoon. Uh, They'll figure it out later. Exactly, exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But those are really, really two great choices. So, um, Jordan, what would you have to say is your favorite uh, animated uh, horror cartoon? Ooh, that would have to be the My Little Pony movie that came out like in nineteen something, like years ago. The eighties one. Kind of dark. Hmm? Mm. You you mean the eighties one, the original one? Yeah, it was kind of dark when I was little, but mm-hmm. I like how they had one thing about the the smooths. Can't get that song out of my head sometimes. I think Nothing about that old movie. Oh. Exactly that one. Right, right. I mean, it was dark, like how the entire of Pony uh, Ponyville was kind of like all covered in smooths, and it just like makes me like, holy crap! Look how detailed they have it all dark and purplish, and it's just gone. Their whole home is destroyed. Take a step back, Malice from Breath of the Wild slash Tears of the Kingdom. Holy crap! Uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like that. Kind of looks like Lulubot acts like it. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Like kind of when I kind of grew up watching a little bit. I didn't watch a whole lot of dark, creepy horror movies when I was a kid. I never liked being scared. I like to scare people, but never scared myself. Mm. You know what I mean? Nowadays, I love horror. So I love horror too. So uh, yeah, also, um, Shark, what would you have to say is your favorite uh, horror cartoon? Let's talk to our guest for a sec. Well, mm-hmm. I was going to say Invader Sim, but I just remembered another one. The Marvelous oh. Misadventures of Flapjack. Oh, oh my god. god. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. dear god. Yes. Not only oh, the cartoons, but if you're like afraid of the sea, the creatures they find sometimes like, ooh, and the art style they give to them and stuff is really creepy sometimes. Oh yeah, yeah, it is like unsettling. Oh yeah, this, this was back when uh, freaking uh, JC Quintal was first starting out at Cartoon oh, yeah. Network. Like this was completely original stuff here, and like compared to his other works, like freaking what was it, uh, regular show and close enough. Like I don't think anything had topped this generally. I mean, granted, there, granted, it's not well. Nah, never mind. It, it, it's pretty memorable. But yeah, they, it is very. Nowhere, like, remember the cat? Oh, God. Oh, God, the cat. The zoom in on the face. Like, the the highly detailed uh, the highly detailed uh, zoom-ins, like, from Spongebob. Except, exactly. let's except make it terrifying. Let's also add that fucking like us. In the Orphanage episode, she's here. Exactly. Oh, God, she's... that one. It's also, like, like every time they do, like, a still with, like, highly detailed stuff, there's always this screen that follows, like, fucking every time. The more interesting thing about Flapjack to me is that basically Flapjack is the reason that the 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 head creators at Cartoon Network now they all came from this show. Yeah, very famous. It was was like uh, wasn't um, wasn't uh Pendleton Ward actually on this show? He was. He was. I believe so. so, Yeah. Well, dang. 
And from there, we got, uh, you know, Adventure Time and regular show in Steven Universe. Basically, yeah, every single uh, Cartoon Network show of like the uh, two of the uh, 2010s really could be uh, said to originate from this uh, this show. Well, dang. Yeah. That is impressive. It is. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really, really good pick. And uh, Lucky Evie has decided to pick uh, Kurt's Cowardly Dog for his... uh, Favorite horror cartoon, which again, great, great pick right there. Absolute classic. Oh yeah, someone had to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that would probably be all of our top choice. That's why I wanted to go a little bit more obscure with some of them. But yeah, no, Courage definitely is the winner because there's something about that show that again, I like Powerpuff Girls, I like Ed and Ed Eighty, I like uh, you know all the other stuff. But for mm. me, Courage is the best Cartoon Network show they ever did, even more than Samurai Jack. If we're being honest. Oh, it feels like there's something about it that just feels so, I don't know, timeless and. Oh yeah, know, it's hard to describe. But it just feels something that's very. Yeah. Yeah. As very much busy. as I prefer uh, Billy and Mandy, there's something I can't hate about about a uh, courage. Courage. Same. Exactly. Same. It's not at my. It's not at my top ten or anything, but it is very much. Uh, it's a very much a part of Cartoon Network's history, hands down. Mm-hmm. Definitely, oh, for sure. Definitely. So, yep. So now it is time for the uh, patent pending Dragonus scale. We're going to rank uh, Queen Wicked. Now, this is going to be a really interesting one because, again, she's in this show for not that long, but then again, the episode's not that long. She has a great design, great voice, basically, uh, you know, real fun characteristics with her. You know, uh, I would have liked to seen her uh, as a Dragonus a little bit longer, but again, that's just my personal preference. So I don't know if I could give her a 10, but I am going to give her a nine because she really hits pretty much every single, uh, every single button that I like with a dragoness. She is really just like perfect in a way, you know, with the voice, with the design, with the, you know, transformation, maybe if it was a little more detailed transformation, but again, you have to realize the time of the show that they had. You know, it's only an eleven minute show. They couldn't fo- have like a a five minute transformation sequence. Probably the budget too. That too. Mm. That too. This is a flash show. But again, I really feel like it's just I don't know something indescribable holding me back from giving her a perfect score. I really, really want to. You know, that's mm. understandable. Yes. Uh, I you know, it, it is so hard sometimes. You know, because again, when you get dragon, this is like this. I just so really fantastic. It's really hard, like to, to say, like what score should I give them? But uh, for this one, I'm probably gonna go with the nine. So, um, and Grum, what would you give her? I'm gonna go a little lower and give her an eight out of ten. Nothing against her character, nothing against the dragon design, nothing. It's not like that. Uh, it's just a. I'm not that big a Bunicula fan, and B. Wicked Queen Wicked herself, despite you know being pretty impressive is uh there there are others that do better basically but yeah i absolutely agree that she is 100 percent up there all right that's good um striker what would you have to give her i think i'm gonna have to go with an eight because i did enjoy the design it's just like you said i wish they would have uh there would have been more time with her, maybe in a different episode. But yeah. uh, oh, from what we got, I'm impressed. Same. 
Definitely, definitely. So, um, Math, what would you have to give her? I am going to jump off that cliff that you could not, Lud. I am giving her a 10. All right. <laughs> nice, nice. Love okay. the design. Incredible design. Mm. And just both as the character and the dragon. It's Maxwell Adams. He does great character work. Also, I, I just have to say this to get it out. Thank you, Maxwell Adams, for making her dummy thick. We appreciate that. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's base. The reason I'm giving her a 10 is we because in this 10, in this 11 minute short, she is a more elite and uh, just all around uh, full story arc character than most movie length villains. The, oh, the whole yeah. the existential crisis and meaning of autonomy thing that I was talking about, they did that in less time to give her a full arc than, than I've ever seen anywhere else. That is incredible. That is a you very good point you have. You know what? You have convinced me. You have actually convinced me. I'm going to go back and I'm going to make my thing a 10 too. You know what? I'm going to bump mine up to 9 just to be a little generous. All right. Uh, so, I'll make mine a nine too. Okay, right. wow. we all go up go. once. Just to so, um, Jordan, what would you have to give her? Uh, I thought about maybe an eight, but I guess she's a nine. Wow, in my nice, nice. I mean, I love how when she was in her book story, she was kind of cool, but then seeing her in her dragon form, like, okay, she's got some badass look, but eh, eh. You can't judge everything to be perfection in all things. Of course, of course. Yeah, of course. And um, Lucky Evie here wrote that uh, he gives her an 8 out of 10 for reasons that he's not explained, but that's all right. And now we go on to our uh, guest of the episode, um, Shark. What are you going to give her? Yeah, I was thinking, and yeah, I'm going to go with a perfect 10 too, because for a one episode character, they did a lot with her, actually, like... Like I said, they gave it three designs, her book design, her human in the real world design, and the dragon design. And yes, she, she, goes, she goes to a complete character arc from learning who she is and to make her own decisions and stuff. And even though I re all of us wish she had more screen time as a dragon, what we got was really great, actually. Like, the personality, the way she speaks, what she does, it's just perfect. So yeah, it's a... 10 out of 10 from me. All right. Yeah, that man. is awesome. Awesome. So really high mm -hmm. score this week. Oh, so um, yeah. that's going to be it for uh, this week's episode. If you have any questions or if you want to send us your ideas of what uh, Queen Wicked should have done as a dragoness, yeah. you can email us at fierydiscourse at outlook.com or visit us on Twitter at twitter.com slash fierydiscourse. Next time, we'll be discussing the 2003 Kirby right back at the episode Fossil Fools Part 2. That's going to oh, be man. a lot of fun. A lot of uh, probably DDD and S Cargoon uh, impressions are going to happen in that one, so you're not going to want to miss that. Just, uh, you, we got a club with that there, Kirby. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sire, you're a hero to us all. That's <laughs> uh, going to be so much fun. Yeah, I'll, be awesome do I'll be the odd one out doing Meta Night. <laughs> nice, nice. I cannot yeah, allow you to go any <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> but yeah, thank you all so much for watching this one. And until next week, take care. Later. Adios. Adios. Oh. See, see you next week. <laughs>